0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the kickoff brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and part-time lion tamer, Brendan Tuma. All right, as we discussed yesterday, it is time to talk about some waiver wire claims. So after we get through the news and the notes, we're going to get to my top 10 waiver wire pickups for week two. But first, let's talk about buying tickets to football games and saving money. And that means talking about TickPick, where they do not charge Service fees, they just guarantee you the best prices on tickets to all NFL games. If you find better prices for tickets on any other site, they're going to give you 110% of the total purchase price. No, service fees is huge, saves you a ton of money, $55 million in fact that TickPick has saved their users with no service fees. And they have teamed up now with Zip, which allows you to buy now but pay later for all your tickets. Just choose Zip at checkout. Split your ticket purchase into four different installments. All you gotta do, download the TickPick app, use the code PROS for $10 off your first order. When you select Zip at checkout, again, that is code PROS for $10 off your first order. When you download the TickPick app and select Zip at checkout. All right, let's get to the news and notes. Raheem Mostert was placed on the IR for approximately eight weeks with chipped cartilage in his knee. Now, Matt Barrows of The Athletic reported that Kyle Shanahan said that there would be no firm hierarchy in the 49ers backfield this season. We are going to get to this when we get to my waiver wire priorities, but I am having a very hard time believing anything that comes out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth. Now, if you rostered Trey Sermon before this, you can expect him to, of course, have a fairly large role for the foreseeable future, but also pick up Elijah Mitchell now. Sorry, that is a spoiler alert as to my top waiver wire pickup, but we are going to get there. NBC Sports reported that Brandon Ayuk quote, tailed off dramatically after a hot start to training camp, and that he is, quote, still learning how to be a pro. Now, Kyle Shanahan walked this back a little bit. There was, you know, it was the hamstring injury. That's all. We were being careful. It's probably a little bit of both. I bet you Iyuk, probably kind of took for granted sort of his role and didn't put in all the effort that he needed to, but also, he was dealing with an injury. This strikes me as closer to a one-week sort of message that Shanahan was sending to Ayuk, but it's pretty hard to trust him, at least for the foreseeable future. But do not drop him or move on from him. He will have a role, but for the immediate future, you gotta be a little careful. It was confirmed that Jerry Judy did suffer a high ankle sprain and he is out four to six weeks. This was probably the best case scenario. If you watch that injury happen, he was having a breakout game. He was clearly the lead dog right now in that receiving core. More waiver wire spoiler alerts. Tim Patrick is the guy that you want. If you look at his snaps that he was running during that game, if you saw what he did last year and with the matchups that are coming, Ryan Fitzpatrick is expected to miss six to eight weeks with his hip injury. Washington says that they are not signing a QB, which means it is Taylor Heineke time. He's a very, very capable backup. We saw it this past week. We saw it in the playoffs. He can certainly be a starting NFL quarterback if he needs to in a pinch like now. This is a slight downgrade to both Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, just because he's not going to pass quite as much as Fitzpatrick did. Washington is probably going to be a little more conservative in their offense, but just slight. McLaurin's still a borderline wide receiver one. Logan Thomas, a solid tight end one. Antonio Gibson was limited on Monday with a shoulder injury. It's worth noting since Gibson did exit week one to have a shoulder looked at before he returned shortly afterwards. For now, there's no worries. This is a Thursday night game. I'm sure they're just being careful, but obviously you want to monitor it. Evan Ingram did not practice on Monday with his calf injury. I highly doubt he's going to suit up here on Thursday once again. And Saquon Barkley was again limited in practice. Again, this is a Thursday game, so they're just going to be careful here. Saquon Barkley is going to be better as the season goes on and probably in this game. He had just 29 snaps on Sunday, but he was very limited early before he really got going in the third quarter and played pretty much the entire quarter before the game basically got out of reach and they limited him. Expect him to continue to improve as the season goes on, but maybe not be back at full strength for at least several weeks. The Patriots reportedly could reduce Damian Harris's role following the game-losing fumble in week one. I don't buy it. This sounds like coach speak to me. Remember, Ramondre Stevenson also fumbled. J.J. Taylor was not even active for this game. He does not have the size to take on a bigger role in this offense. Damian Harris is the guy. They wouldn't have traded Sony Michelle otherwise. Ian Rappaport reported that Seahawks running back Rashad Penny is expected to be shut down for a few weeks after re-aggravating his calf injury in week one. This is disappointing. I drafted Rashad Penny everywhere. I told you to as well because he made a prime insurance policy running back. But give me a break. We've got an injury already after week one. You can move on unless you have an open IR spot. Michael Gallup was placed on the IR with his calf injury as expected. He's going to miss a minimum of three games. He was reportedly supposed to be out three to five weeks. Try to hold him if you can. I do expect him to have a role down the stretch. Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda tore his Achilles. He is out for the season. A bad secondary gets worse. And the Green Bay Packers are going to go insane on Monday night against Detroit. Jets offensive lineman Mikai Becton is out four to six weeks with a knee injury. The Jets offensive line is really bad. It just got worse. You can move on from guys like Michael Carter, because it's probably not going to happen given where things stand there. Saints suffered a few defensive injuries. Their cornerback Marshawn Lattimore is going to miss a couple of weeks following thumb surgery. And their defensive lineman, Marcus Davenport, had a pec strain, and he's going to miss some time, but he should be back, quote, sooner rather than later. This is obviously somewhat good news for the Panthers' wide receivers and just generally their offense in week two. But again, I have a feeling that Sam Darnold is going to come back to earth, so I'm not targeting them whatsoever. Finally, Cowboys lineman Zach Martin was activated from the reserve COVID list. This should be good, of course, for Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott coming up in their game against the Chargers. All right, as I said, let's get to my top 10 waiver wire pickups for this week. You're going to see a lot of receivers on this list because I think this is a pretty good week to pick them up, and I think you do not have to spend a lot of fab or waste a waiver wire priority. Now, absent from this list are some guys like Mark Ingram, who had huge week ones, but who I do not expect to contribute meaningfully down the stretch. If you want to know why, just come into our Discord, fantasypros.com chat. You can DM me, you can ask me in our AMA, and I will answer all your questions. All right, at number ten, let's start with Sterling Shepard. Big game here against the Broncos. Nine targets, seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. He was probably a little undervalued in drafts, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit here. Let's see what this offense looks like when Kenny Galladay is fully healthy, when Evan Ingram is back in a few weeks, Kadarius Tony is going to get a little more involved, Darius Slayton is still there, as Saquon Barkley gets more healthy, he's going to take away work and targets. So I'm just not sure the volume is going to be there in what is. Basically, an underwhelming offense. But if you are desperate at wide receiver, he can be used as a pickup. As can my number nine pick up Jalen Rager caught all six of his targets, 49 yards and a touchdown. The Eagles' offense looked good. It was a great matchup against the Falcons, but you really can't take away from the fact that Nick Sirianni very clearly designed this offense to suit Jalen Hurts' skill set, and his rushing ability is going to open up plenty of lanes for these wide receivers, and they're going to get some separation. And once upon a time, we were excited about Jalen Rager before Devonte Smith came along, and we probably should be again. Again. He's not somebody who's going to be the number one option in that offense, but he was clearly running as the number two, and he looked good here. So he's worth a pickup, especially if you need a wide receiver. At number eight, it's Christian Kirk. He had a monstrous game in week one against the Titans. Five catches on five targets, 70 yards, and two touchdowns. But his role going forward is a little bit unreliable here. He trailed A.J. Green in snaps by a wide margin. We're going to talk about Rondell Moore in a minute. He looked a little bit more explosive than Kirk, despite Kirk's huge game. So you want to add Kirk. You have to add Kirk after a game like this. Maybe he even supplants A.J. Green down the road. But I think it's going to be pretty inconsistent in the near term. So it's not somebody who you want to rely on if you necessarily need a wide receiver this coming week. At number seven, it's Zach Pascal. Look, it's clear that Pascal and Michael Pittman Jr. are the only two receivers worth looking at for the Colts, of course, at the moment. With T.Y. Hilton on IR, Paris Campbell didn't really factor in. Pascal played pretty much the whole game, got five targets, four catches, 43 yards, and two scores. Now, Carson Wentz really relied on the running backs here. I mean, both Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor factored into the passing game a ton, but they are going to need to pass here to the wide receivers as they get going. And Pascal really did look like the guy in that passing game, other than the running backs. So go ahead and add him again, not somebody who you're, you know, running after is a minimum fab type of guy, but he is a guy who can add depth to your roster. At number six it's Terrace marshall jr look this is again not an immediate play wide receivers i'm more willing to look more down the road long term when i'm thinking about picking them up and that is Terrace marshall jr i mean he played by far the fewest snaps of the carolina wide receivers but he had six targets he had three catches six targets to robbie anderson's three targets three catches to robbie anderson's one target marshall is going to factor in here but again He's a long-term play. You're not going to want to start him immediately, especially next week against the Saints, but Carolina has a pretty decent schedule going forward. They've got the Texans, they've got the Cowboys, so you want to add him early before he goes off and then becomes a priority pickup. And again, given his game, he's not going to cost you a ton, but look under the hood. There's plenty to be excited about as the season goes on. And number five, it's Rondell Moore. If you followed me this draft season, you know how high I was on drafting someone like Rondell Moore. Now he played just 29% of the snaps. So it wasn't great there, right? He did not take over that third wide receiver role like we thought he could, but he really made an impact. He caught four of his five targets for 68 yards. And let's think about that for a second. 29% of the snaps, but he was so involved. What happens when he earns more playing time going forward, which he eventually will. He fits perfectly in that offense. They know it. As the season goes on, as he gets more and more comfortable, he's just going to continue to factor in. So again, he is producing, even when he's not getting a ton of snaps out there, he will eventually get a ton of snaps. He's a guy here, not starting right now, but you will probably be starting after what week five or week six. I think he can be a regular in your lineup. At number four, let's talk about our first non-wide receiver here. And that is Kenneth Gainwell of the Eagles. Gainwell had nine carries for 37 yards and a touchdown against the Falcons. He was a distant second here to Miles Sanders, who looked really, really good. But being the second fiddle is a lot better than being the third fiddle behind both Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Boston Scott saw no action in this game. They were clearly ready to give it to Gainwell. Now, he has the benefit. These are the types of guys you want. He will probably produce. He will get the eight to 10 touches probably per game, which will be enough in deeper leagues. And when you're in a pinch... Start him as a flex, but he maintains that high-end handcuff role where if anything happens to Miles Sanders, he really could make a huge fantasy impact. So you want to get him on your roster. At number three, let's go back to the wide receivers. And as I said earlier, it's Tim Patrick. Patrick has basically been an undervalued asset for a full season going back to last year when we talked about him a lot with Jerry Judy's high ankle sprain. He's going to immediately step in as the number two wide receiver in this offense. And even before the injury, he was playing a ton, basically the same number of snaps as Jerry Judy. He caught a touchdown pass, caught four passes for 39 yards. He probably is going to have bigger games going forward. And again, when you look at the Denver schedule, the next couple of weeks, they play Jacksonville, they play the Jets. Those are two pristine matchups. He's a guy who you can start and he'll make an immediate impact, but he also has the benefit of being someone who you can rely on probably long-term given Judy's injury. At number two, it's Tony Jones Jr. I did not expect to be talking about Tony Jones Jr. when I thought about talking about waiver wires, but he is basically rostered in fewer than 20% of leagues. And that makes absolutely no sense to me. We were drafting Latavius Murray in every single league that we could when we thought he was going to be the guy. Now he's not. Instead, we have a younger version of him and he's basically being ignored. Put aside whatever he did in that first game, 11 carries, 50 yards, just the catch for three yards. It really doesn't matter. He's going to see the eight to 10 touches that Latavius Murray used to see in this Saints offense. He also carries the high end insurance policy value. Should anything happen to Alvin Kamara, he is a priority add as somebody who needs to be universally rostered. It really doesn't matter what your league size is. Get him on there. And finally, I teased this earlier in the show. But your number one waiver wire pickup has to be Elijah Mitchell. He most certainly out for a significant period of time. And Trey Sherman was inactive in this game. Mitchell had a great game, rumbling for 104 yards on 19 carries with his score. Now, look, is it possible that in this next game here, when San Francisco takes on Philadelphia, that suddenly it's going to be the Trey Sherman show? Of course, I have no idea what goes on in the mind of Kyle Shanahan now or ever. But it's really difficult to see Mitchell just sort of going to the entire backseat. We were willing to draft both Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert, thinking that both of them could have a role in this offense. We like to roster two San Francisco running backs. We always have because they both could have value in this scheme. So at the very least, Mitchell is going to play the second fiddle right now to Trey Sermon, and that's a valuable role. But realistically, I expect him to be the first fiddle because he did nothing to show that he is not worthy of that role. So pick him up immediately. There's a chance he could have a giant impact, be like a strong RB2 that you're starting every week. And worst case scenario, he's probably gonna be a flex play even if he has to split time mostly with Trey Sermon. All right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thanks again to Tick Pick. Remember, download the app, use the code PROS, get $10 off your first order when you select Zip at checkout. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.